Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Generation Y Conservative Podcast. I am Chris, your host. Uh, tonight, we're going to be going over a couple topics on what's happened since last Friday, when the last podcast was. Um, just so you know, you can find me on Twitter at Gen Y Conservative without the E on the end is the uh, username. So at Gen Y Conservative. Uh, you can also find me here on my Facebook page, which I'm also streaming on live on Friday nights, usually around 9 p.m. around this time, uh, where we go over the topics of the week. You can also find me on YouTube, where you'll find the most interesting content. Uh, from there, you'll be seeing my shows popping up in February, hopefully, when we start that up, uh, the TV show on the local cable company. Um, you'll also see videos I post as well as these podcasts, so we're pretty excited about that as well. And... That's that's the majority of where you'll find me. You can also uh, get involved on my Facebook Live uh, while we're doing this and start asking questions. You can also comment on the video while I'm doing this and get involved, and that way we can have a little bit of conversation back and forth, which is always fun. Last week we had uh, my friend Matt and Anthony join in and get involved in some of the conversations we were having. So if you're tuning in, certainly give a little shout-out so I know who's here. You can get involved. Uh, all you have to do is comment on the video. So we are starting from last Saturday's news up until this Friday on what's been going on out there. And uh, basically, I go through my news feed on what I posted over the last week and get involved by uh, prioritizing what I think were the important stories of the last week. Now, my first topic tonight is actually uh, a post done by CNBC this week on Facebook. And just so you know, when people start talking about the media bias in the news and everything, one thing I always point out is if you want the most unbiased news, it's not completely unbiased, but the most unbiased news you'll actually find on CNBC. And the reason why I say that is because I've watched that when I worked in the commodities markets and the most radical politicians that actually come onto that station to do interviews actually tone down their rhetoric for once instead of what they would be sounding like on MSNBC or on Fox News. And they actually get to the facts and start talking straight. Some of the some of the worst politicians I've come across have actually come across pretty sane on that network. So CNBC posted this article this week in regards to 95 million jobs or 95 million people not in the U.S. labor force. And where are they? So this is something I've actually brought up multiple times with people, especially in posts and everything, that no matter who has been in office uh, over the last decade, really, even under the Bush administration, the jobs numbers have been played with uh, when the jobs numbers are released. And in this article by CNBC, they were pointing out that uh, of the 95 million that are no longer in the U.S. labor force, that's because they have hit the end of that time period where they qualify for the uh, unemployment assistance and are no longer connect or collecting from that uh, from that benefit anymore. So they're no longer counted as someone in the workforce. Once they drop off of that, they're no longer counted. So it's interesting because for the last year or so, Obama and his administration have been taking credit for job growth in this country. But for every job that's been coming in, there's a certain amount that are being lost because they're falling off of the unemployment and looking for jobs and no longer qualify for those benefits. So it's this exchange that's that's not really counted in those numbers. And it's concerning because it's not only Obama. It actually happened under Bush as well. So 
it's something to keep an eye on. Uh, hopefully somehow that changes and we hold uh, them more responsible for those jobs that are lost. And we can continue taking a look at that. Also this week, uh, there's been an ongoing protest, obviously, at Standing Rock with the pipeline uh, out there, the oil pipeline that was going over the Native American land. And I believe it was going under uh, a lake out there. I'm not really sure. It was really hard to take a political angle on this uh, because there were so many different angles to go by uh, when you're talking about it. But this week, 2,000 veterans... Uh, showed up and formed a human shield at Standing Rock uh, where they were protesting this pipeline. Now, I found it pretty interesting because it was really the left uh, was championing this this topic over the last couple of weeks of Standing Rock and standing up for the Native Americans and everything. And as I had a conversation today, it actually, you know, my one friend was pointing out that this is actually a lot of a conservative issue as well, because conservatives believe a, uh, or have a, a strong feeling against eminent domain, which is the government taking over your land for their own purposes and everything. So in that sense, it's a conservative issue in this sense though, with the left all up in arms over uh, this whole protest going on out there, when the veterans showed up, it was the left of my friends that were actually posting all these articles about the veterans showing up and saving the day and everything, which I found interesting. Not that the left doesn't support our military, but they pick and choose certain things on when to show that support. And I find that discouraging. So it's always, you know, even especially leftist politicians in our Congress, people like John Kerry, for instance, have said that our soldiers carpet bomb citizens and kill women and children in the dead of night and everything. But the second that they actually show up to support one of their ideas, then the tables turn and they actually show some support. So I, I, I don't like that. Um, if you're going to support our military, support them all the time. Um, so where do I stand in regards to eminent domain? I think that's a big issue there. Uh, what really also got to me was a couple of my friends were also posting videos of an assembly essentially in this auditorium somewhere where veterans and some other people were asking for forgiveness for the past um, crimes, I guess you could say, against Native Americans way back when we started pushing them off their land and everything. And it was it was these people apologizing on their knees and asking for forgiveness of the Indians, none of which on either side were around when this all originally happened. And I can actually guarantee you that a lot of the people on um, on the apologizing end that were showing up for this probably didn't even have their ancestors involved in this in this type of uh, situation back in the day. So this video getting posted, I, you know, here's one thing I always come back to, and it's not that I have uh, anything against the Native Americans in this country. I think they're, you know, I think it's it's a great culture uh, when you learn about them and you see their customs and everything. It's a fascinating thing to learn about. But when you look at world history and you look at countries or uh, empires that take over other empires and, and start, you know, these conquests over these lands and everything, you see it all across Europe and you see the spreading of nations, the Roman Empire, the Greeks, the Athenians, the Spartans, all that kind of stuff. You don't see this long standing in in their history of people apologizing for what they did it was it was a matter of taking over and you know conquering these nations and everything so this type of 
apologizing to me, you know, especially for something that you weren't even involved with just blows my mind all the time. So let's head on over to uh, Donald Trump is still obviously making the news. He keeps on uh, making cabinet appointments and this week is no different. Um, I'm actually going to get involved in uh, one of my podcasts on going over his cabinet appointments at a later date once everything's concreted and finalized because everything is always kind of up in the air and we don't know who's really uh, up for what position. And, you know, to be honest with you, until he's uh, inaugurated, I don't want to make assumptions and jump to a wrong conclusion and then have something switch last minute because things can be finicky like that. But this over the last week, Ivanka and Donald met with Al Gore and Leonardo DiCaprio to meet about climate change, uh, which I find really fascinating because, you know, there's, there's three types of people that are reacting to this right now. You have the liberal left. You have the Trump supporters, and then you have those that are considered never Trumpers or people that just don't support Donald Trump. And in this case, what you have is liberals should be reacting with, yes, this is exactly what we want, and he's at least taking a step in that direction. Of course, they might actually, you, I, I could see them flipping out about why, are the, why is Al Gore and, and Leonardo DiCaprio even giving Donald Trump the time of day? Well, on our side, we're asking the same reason on why he would be giving them the time of day. So Ivanka seems to be in this position where she wants to head up uh, climate change and tackle that as one of her issues as a, a type of first daughter in this sense. Trump supporters, of course, uh, you know, the ones that were saying that Donald Trump is definitely against climate change. He doesn't believe it's real and everything find themselves making excuses, which is exactly what I said would happen. And they're saying, Oh, he's a great businessman. This is all part of a plan. And if he's doing this, maybe there's something to it. So let's look into this a little bit more. Well, we kind of expected that we expected this from the, the liberal left on uh, either attacking him or, or, you know, saying that this is one of their issues and they're finally coming around. We expected the Trump supporters to make excuses. And then for people like me, I'm saying, I kind of told you so. I, we, we knew that this was going to be coming. We knew that. And, and I talked to a Trump supporter friend of mine today who said, I know that Donald Trump isn't a conservative. It's not that he's a conservative. He even said, I know he doesn't believe in the constitution or it's not that he so much believes in the constitution. He just doesn't care about the constitution. So in regards to climate change, he's not really that concerned, but the fact of the matter is with Donald Trump meeting with Al Gore and Leonardo DiCaprio, we're going to see come next year what actually happens with that when he gets involved and see if there's any type of policy that follows suit, uh, that has Al Gore's, uh, carbon fiber or I'm not carbon fiber, carbon credit taxes enforced or Leonardo, the jet setter DiCaprio and see if his, uh, consumption of oil goes down for all of his jets and, and his, uh, mansions and everything. But, We'll see what happens with that, because honestly, I think we're going to see a lot more liberal policies come out of Donald Trump. I think that uh, we're going to see him placate to both sides. Now, on the other end of this equation, what I will say is if he is a climate change denier in that he believes climate change is not man-made, but cyclical for various reasons. I've gone over multiple times with people being that we've gone in and out of ice ages for so many years, according to science. How did we come out of those before the industrial revolution is always my question on that. 
if he is in fact doing this though, then he's playing a good role in this conversation. He's actually placating to and having open discussions to show that he can come across the aisle and at least discuss those issues. So in that way, I have to commend Donald Trump a little bit. It's where these intentions end up. Uh, we have to see where these, these policies actually end up going. I'm going to quickly go into uh, a little bit of an entertainment news because uh, we have to do a little lighthearted stuff every now and then because it, politics will just get you angry all the time. Amy Schumer, the comedian actress who somehow keeps on winning awards and attention from people is, you know, I, I, for the life of me, can't understand why anybody likes Amy Schumer. I think she's an arrogant, uh, I was going to say a mean word. I'll leave it at that. And she is actually set to star in a movie based on Mattel's Barbie. Now the premise apparently on this is that she doesn't fit the norm of the Barbie world and because she's overweight and, and not the stick figure that Barbie is as a, as a toy and the world has to, the Barbie world has to come to terms with b different body types. Here's where, where I predict this movie going. It's, it's going to bomb first of all. Okay. The only people that are going to end up going to see this are the handful of supporters and people that actually like Amy Schumer, as well as the liberal left that, takes up this cause of bullying and body shaming to actually go and see this junky movie to make sure that it, the box office sees some numbers for it so that they, they can make this a cause and an issue in the future. This movie is absolutely going to bomb. It's not going to do well at all. And Amy Schumer came out in regards to, you know, the body shaming individuals. I'm not body shaming her. I just don't like her sense of humor. I think she's, you know, I think this movie is an agenda movie and that's all we keep on seeing coming out of Hollywood is all these agenda items that they keep on focusing on that no one wants to see yet. They keep on realizing that their budget is never met to even break even to pay these actors and actresses when they do these cause movies and they only make a couple hundred thousand dollars at the box office, but they spend millions of dollars on these movies and they never get the point that, a losing battle in the box office isn't going to win anyone over. It's certainly not going to keep the cause going forward. As a matter of fact, it's probably going to kill it because no one wants to do those movies eventually. So, you know, it is what it is with her. I, I, her Amy Schumer and, uh, the, the woman from girls, I forget her name. If anybody knows her name, uh, Lena Dunham can't stand them. Uh, this, this whole notion of just absolutely bringing the worst side of feminism out in these, in these issues and, and, uh, causes that they keep on pushing is just been getting disgusting. So, uh, you know, some of the videos I was posting on my personal page this week, I should have actually been posting them on my political page as well, because, uh, everybody should be praying for these people down in Tennessee, the Gatlinburg, uh, fires down there. It's, it's a really bad situation. And one of the videos that I actually posted was of, uh, a guy and, uh, it sounded like his son and dog driving in a pickup truck to try and get out of there. And this was like a literal drive through hell watching this on, uh, his video that he was taking with his phone. And at one point he got stuck and you're wondering how the heck did he get out of there? But these fires were absolutely everywhere. You know, it's, it's just destroyed everything down there. But in the midst of this, 
this guy on Twitter, I believe it is. It was either, no, I'm sorry, it was on Facebook. This guy, Coleman Bonner, posted uh, a picture of himself. It was kind of a selfie, as well as this um, this quote. This is what he said. Funny story. I was recently in Gatlinburg, had a terrible time. I felt that the place was a cesspool of consumerism and a bastion of the worst aspects of Southern culture. Turns out a wildfire just burned most of the town to the ground. Good riddance, Gat- Gatlinburg. The, and good luck, you mouth-breathing, toothless, diabetic, cousin-humping, Mountain Dew-chugging, Moon Pie-munching, Paul Mall-smoking, Trump-sucking pond scum. So this guy obviously has it out against Trump supporters, number one. Plus, he just went after people that lost not only their lives, but their livelihood, their homes. The whole town was burnt to the ground. And he's making fun of this situation. Now... Earlier in this week, there was actually a guy that wrote a book, and I believe it was uh, I Was Publicly Shamed or something it's titled. And it goes over these people that have made stupid choices on social media to post things that they didn't think about first, okay? And what ended up happening was their lives were ruined by those online that felt the cause to use their anonymity to go after these people and ruin their lives. Um, In this case... It also happened to him. A lot of people spread this around and it was shared enough and people went after his, the, his employment so much so that they actually fired him. So East, I'm sorry, let's see the, um, express oil change is where he was actually working at the time. And they posted a response to this guy's video that said we are absolutely disgusted at what was posted and want to emphasize that a person of this character does not represent who we are as a company. The company noted in a statement, AL.com said, our thoughts and prayers are with those who have been affected by the fires throughout the East Tennessee region, along with communities that were affected throughout the Southeast due to the recent drought. Express oil change added its sincerest apologies that remarks like this were made and we were astonished at the lack of care Coleman expressed throughout his comments. So they ended up firing this guy. And one of the reasons why I actually didn't share the original post by this guy is because we have become a witch hunt society. Uh, It doesn't matter whose side you're on when the other side screws up or posts something stupid, we go after them and try to publicly shame these regular citizens that made a stupid choice and go after their employment, go after their friends and family, try to make it so bad for them that they have to go underground basically as people to get their livelihood back. And even then in the case of this one, uh, the one woman who went to Africa and said uh, on her Twitter, as she boarded the airplane going to Africa, hope I don't get AIDS. Ha ha. Just joking. I'm white. And what she meant was we live in a bubble here and don't realize what's actually going on over there. But the joke completely fell flat. By the time she got off of the airplane over there, uh, hours later, her phone was blowing up with messages from her friends and family saying they were sorry. Uh, People, she was one of the number one, if not the number one trending topic on Twitter at the time. And people were just going after her. She lost her job. It took her a year to find employment again. And when people on Twitter found out that she found employment again, they went after that business to try and get her fired again. So it's this, it's this internet trolling 
that people are doing just to ruin people's lives. And that's why I originally didn't post this article, but I thought it was uh, something I, I wanted to bring up to actually go into that kind of detail as well on how we have just become this witch hunt society to go after people, uh, to get them to lose their jobs just because you don't like their opinion. In this case, this guy was an absolute moron. The stupid stuff that he said has its consequences in that people realize he's a moron, but to go after his employment, you know, I certainly don't like him, but I thought that was the wrong choice of the way to go about it. This week, Time Magazine also named Donald Trump the person of the year. I don't know if you expected anything different from this. Uh, He could have been, in your eyes, the worst person of the year. He could have been the best person of the year as a candidate. The fact of the matter is no one took the headlines this year more than Donald Trump that commanded the attention of the public of not only the United States, but also of the world. Uh, You had world leaders all over the place responding to him running as a candidate before he was even elected. And then once he was elected, you had world leaders reaching out personally to him and he's been getting more things done. (laughs) He's been getting more things done prior to his inauguration than Obama has gotten done over the last eight years. He's actually making allies and making relationships and uh, supposedly keeping jobs here in the United States. Now that's a different topic that we could go into on uh, how that affects other businesses here, uh, trying to take advantage of tax credits and everything. But the fact of the matter is he hasn't even taken office yet. And he's having more meetings with his cabinet or potential cabinet than Obama has had his whole eight years as president. So I actually commend time magazine because they didn't take the low route uh, or the low road to pick someone other than Donald Trump out of spite against him as someone that they disagree with. He obviously is the person that commanded the attention of the year and should have been person of the year. All right, I actually have three topics tonight that we're going to go over that all deal with each other. So the topic at hand is actually abortion. Uh, Ohio, the Ohio Senate actually passed a bill recently that bans abortions once a heartbeat is detected, which is typically around six weeks. Um, Now, I found that pretty interesting. I got into a back and forth. You can find that back and forth with one of my uh, liberal acquaintances on what is involved in that article, how those people should be gone after, what the consequences should be, penalties and everything else. Uh, You can certainly read up on that and get involved in that discussion. The discussion I want to have, though, is talking about the the policy itself and why it is the way it is. So here's a discussion that people need to understand. You need to figure out whether you're pro-life or uh, pro-choice where you fall on when life begins. Now, if I were to ask a liberal or a conservative, a pro-life or a pro-choicer, when does life stop for an individual? Is it the brain function when the brain shuts down? No, because the heart is still going. So there is life activity there. So in the case of death, what you have to assume, what most people would say is that life ends with the ending of the heartbeat. So going in reverse, the only conclusion that you can draw from that is that life itself begins with the heartbeat. Now, if at six weeks, you can't tell yet that you're pregnant, um, barring extremely rare circumstances that are thrown at me all the time, but you know, statistically they're extremely rare. 
barring those circumstances health-wise that you don't know you're pregnant, if you don't know by the six-week period, then you're not paying attention to your own body, uh, as far as I'm concerned. So if a heartbeat is detected, that for at least liberal should be when life begins. Now, I personally believe that life begins at conception. I believe that the the policy itself in Ohio is a step in the right direction to banning abortions altogether. That's my opinion. Um, you know, certainly in the last podcast, I went over how my family tree is a lineage from uh, a circumstance of rape and how multiple fa- actually from that instance where my grandfather was a product of a rape, there are now over 20 individuals in my family that have come uh, through his lineage. So all of us would not be around Thing, good things can come from those bad situations. Uh, when I was going over the statistics today, only one, less than one percent uh, are attributed of abortions are attributed to rape or incest, and there's a small percentage of, of um, abortions that actually deal with the women's health. The majority are out of circumstance of not wanting the child. So, if we're heading in the right direction, we're heading there to where I believe it needs to go. First of all, along with this, Ohio should be tackling defunding clinics like Planned Parenthood and others that, uh, you know, provide these abortions and limit any type of federal funding or or state funding to the clinics that provide women's health um, care other than abortions and, and no abortions at all. There's no reason why we should be spending tax money on this kind of thing. Um, It's taking our money and putting it towards something that we morally and ethically go against for a majority of the country. So I believe that those all need to be tied together with the defunding and taxpayer funds, which actually we touched on the topic last week on, you know, if Donald Trump is taking office, where can we actually start tackling this deficit that we're in? Where can we cut funding and everything else? So hopefully we can start doing that. Also, in regards to abortions, this goes into the First Amendment as well. Uh, France has moved to ban pro-life websites on the Internet. So this solidifies France as a country, their position on the pro-life, pro-choice issue. They have solidified themselves as very pro-choice, anti-pro-life. And they've said to their citizens, we don't care what your opinions are. We don't care what you believe you should be or should not be able to talk about. They obviously don't have our constitution, but they obviously don't believe in the free speech of their individuals over there in France. So uh, also in Fort Wayne, Indiana, I posted a video you can find on the Facebook page of a principal at a high school, Carlton Mabel, who came out and confronted pro-life protesters on the school sidewalks, threatening them to leave and throwing their signs into the street. Um, When he was confronted by the cops, when the cops finally showed up, which I would imagine he actually uh, called the cops on these pro-life protesters, the cops informed him that they had the legal right to be there on the school property, on those sidewalks. Uh, He then switched his rhetoric immediately from the angry rhetoric that he had. He stayed in his angry rhetoric, but he switched it to saying that he considers the pictures of aborted babies on these posters as pornographic, which is absolutely ridiculous. It was, uh, you know, come on, we're all adults here. We can talk about what actually constitutes as pornography. This guy was trying his best to make sure that, um, that these people were kicked off. He was trying to find every and any reason 
to get rid of them off of the school property. I'm going to take a quick break here and I will be right back. Stay right there. I'll be back in about two minutes. Okay, sorry about that. Okay, so we had those three. So we had Ohio talking about um, the new abortion bill that went through. France has taken and solidified their position on abortions and pro-life websites. And in Fort Wayne, Indiana, we had the principal who attacked, um, in so many words, the pro-life protesters outside of the high school and tried to have them thrown off the property. So let's move on from all the abortion talk. And we will actually go into <laughs> one of my favorite articles, which actually seems like it was more of a uh, funny article, but it's not actually funny. It's actually pretty sad. If you're a millennial, okay, looks like I have a weak connection here, so I'm waiting for it to come back online there. Can you guys uh, still read me with it saying that the connection's weak there? Who's ever there? Comment real quick. Anybody? Okay, so. In Evanston, Illinois. Yes, okay, good. We're going in. Okay, Evanston, Illinois. If you are a millennial that is having a hard time entering your adult stage of life, you can now pay $27,500 per month for a rehab program that can help you transition into being an, an, an adult. So it's it's it, it made me laugh at first, and then people started commenting, this must be a joke. And unfortunately, it wasn't. I had to inform them that this wasn't a joke. So if the program is going in the right direction, uh, you know, and the, you turn these precious little millennial snowflakes into responsible adults that aren't offended by every little thing and can actually contribute more to our society than social justice warrior rhetoric with a flair for the radical and sometimes violent expression of disagreement via protest, these rehab uh, business owners may actually be geniuses in my mind. They have taken a societal problem and are tackling it head on by taking these millennials who can't grow up and don't do anything but complain about everything and might be actually be able to turn them into adults. I have to actually see what they're doing in their programs, but it's something to look into more. I think now that I say that, I think I will look into it more. Maybe I'll even invite him on for an interview. Speaking of interviews, I came across a uh, post today of a local woman down in Westchester. And someone had posted a video of her interview on one of the news programs. Uh, the woman is essentially an anti-vaccine person. 
And I really am looking forward to uh, trying to contact her and see if I can either head down there and try to get a video interview with her on how to tackle this issue um, and her feelings on it because she was just phenomenal. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll just briefly go into it right now, but essentially, uh, when it comes to vaccinations, the anti-vaccination argument is is always painted as uh, that it leads to autism, which isn't the bulk of the argument for anti-vaxxers. It has a lot more to do with different things. As a matter of fact, I, I just always give a quick example, actually, on if smoking cigarettes causes cancer, okay, why doesn't it cause cancer in everyone that smokes cigarettes? And the answer to that is that everybody's body reacts differently to different stimuli. And in that sense, then, when they do these tests on on these kids or people with vaccinations, you never know how someone's body is going to react. Now, this has not so much to do with autism, whereas autism is a list of symptoms and it can trigger those types of symptoms. That's why they can't diagnose it as uh, directly linked to autism. It can cause some of those symptoms. But if you actually read on the material on what vaccination can actually contribute to on side effects the side effects are more horrendous than the actual thing that the vaccinations are trying to cure in the first place as a matter of fact most of the things that vaccinations are supposed to tackle you can easily cure with modern medicine once you have it for instance you know measles of the 1500 cases over the last couple of years she said no one has died from it in america because we have the ability to treat it so you're actually taking a risk on everything else that a vaccination can cause uh, because of that. So anyway, I am working actively working on trying to get this woman uh, on my program for an interview. I have a couple people that will be joining me over the next couple of weeks as co-hosts on the podcast. So I'm really excited about that. And, um, you know, to be continued, I'll let people know ahead of time who I have coming on so that their friends and family can tune in as well. <clears throat> so let's see Brant here. More like, oh, okay, this is going back to the uh, millennials in the rehab. It says, more like their parents can pay 27000 to send their kids to how to be an adult school, and they probably will pay it just to get them out of their basements. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree with you. <clears throat> Do I pay the kids $1,000 rent per month? And end up supporting his grocery bills and everything else so that he can go out west and protest everything uh, because Trump was elected. Or do I pay the $27,000 a month to send him to this re rehab program to be an adult? And then hopefully never have to support him again, right? <laughs> I agree with you, Brant. Thank you. <clears throat> so here's another interesting story. The whole thing around Trump right now. Uh, since he was running as a candidate, one of the biggest issues that he confronted right off the bat was a topic of illegal immigration, which has been an issue for years, but to be very fair and everything hasn't been headed up by uh, many politicians as in regards to building that wall or going after the, uh, the immigration process to make it more streamlined or try to get these people out of the country that are causing harm. In regards to causing harm, we actually had an incident and this is not uncommon. This is just one of the recent ones where an illegal immigrant who had been deported eight times already has killed multiple people in a hit and run accident. 
So the question then for people that support open border policies is how many times is too many for these types of incidents? And the, the answer is one time is too many. Okay. Some of the most ardent supporters of uh, immigration reform to make sure that we don't have illegal immigration, illegal immigrants coming into this country. Some of the most ardent supporters of, you know, keeping them out and into the line of progress on how you can properly do it are uh, immigrants that I know myself uh, right up the street. I have a, we have good family friends uh, who came, one, the wife came from Peru and she is more pissed off than I am usually when we're talking about illegal immigrants because she waited in a process of, I believe it was like five years where she had to wait to get to be a citizen of the United States. And she sees all these people in the meantime, taking advantage of our healthcare system, taking advantage of our unemployment situation, a welfare system, a food stamp system and everything else. While she's actually going through the process legally waiting, doing the documentation, waiting the extended periods of time. She went through the process the proper way. And she sees all these people skipping ahead and then taken into these sanctuary cities where they're taken care of and no one can go after them. ICE officials can't go after them in these sanctuary cities, which is BS. You should be able to go after them. You should say, screw you to the mayors and actually uphold the law. That's all there is to it. So let's see here. I basically hit all the points on that. This isn't the first time either. There was a couple incidents out in California over the last couple of years where illegal immigrants had been drinking and driving and on the road and killed people before. It's nothing new, uh, but these stories should be brought up uh, as much as possible so that people are aware that these incidents wouldn't be happening with those specific individuals. They can happen, obviously, with legal citizens as well. But in these cases, these circumstances wouldn't have been met if that person wasn't in the country without going through the legal process way. So <clears throat> it just boggles my mind that people can uh, that people can support the going against the law with these people. So Brand's getting involved again here. My wife and son immigrated here legally. Granted, it took six years, but they legally became citizens this summer. It can be done. Absolutely. I didn't bring up your wife uh, and son um, because you're on here, but I'm glad that you did. That's just another person. This isn't my, my friend up the street from Peru. Uh, this is just another instance of um, people that have come here legally and went through the process. In this case, Brant's wife here took six years to go through the process legally and they're, you know, they're here now and they're taking, they're taking advantage of the American dream, which is why people come here. As a matter of fact, people, that American dream has been reversed. Uh, you actually find a lot of immigrants not coming to the United States anymore because the American dream has been killed off in their mind. And why is that? <clears throat> the American dream used to be that you can come here and make anything of yourself. You could start with nothing. In the case of my grandparents that came, my great-grandparents who came from Italy, they literally came over as kids under 10 years old on a ship to come here and start their life in New Jersey from Italy, started with nothing and built up everything that they had, put their both their kids through college, and from there it just was a snowballing effect of the American dream taking hold with family member after family member. And it's only gotten harder in in modern times 
this is this is among the first times since the Great Depression where the children of the great generation don't have as as well off of a life as they do their as their parents do usually the generations are able to do better than those before them because of the foundation that was built with families but you just can't do that anymore and i would argue that that's because of the amount of restraints that are put on the american people with taxation and regulations and you're not allowed to do certain things for crying out loud as kids you're not allowed to have in a lot of cities a lemonade stand on the side of the street without a permit from the city you can't do that anymore you can't run a little lemonade business to get a couple quarters to go down and get some freaking candy at a store because you need a permit from the government as a six-year-old it's absolutely ridiculous and that is exactly a micro situation of the kind of thing that we're dealing with in this country is that you have to get everything approved and everything has to be done through the government. And then once you actually get it done through the government, then they put so many damn regulations on you. You're not going to last that long as a business anyway. Only, only the, you know, it used to be only the fittest survived. Okay. And that's not the case anymore. Now it's who can ever bribe those in charge in the government or, use things to their advantage like loopholes and everything which right there donald trump okay a lot of people don't like that he's not releasing his taxes that he finds these loopholes and everything well how the hell do you expect to survive as a business in this country anymore unless you're taking advantage of everything that you possibly can in that in that regard again i give donald trump you know i commend him on what he does as a business owner because you know you find loopholes in the tax system Good. I say if you find those tax holes, you should take advantage of them and actually go after them because they're they're there. You're not doing anything illegal. A loophole isn't something that's illegal. It's you taking advantage of keeping more of your own damn money and not giving it to the government for them to go and waste on anything else. I got off on a tangent. I'm sorry. <clears throat> so what did Brent say? Self-employment is still very possible. It is. Just saying it can still be done. Yeah. It can still be done. The problem is that this this country was built on the backs of small businesses, and it's it's getting harder and harder and harder to even be able to do that anymore. And granted, you have the circumstances where big businesses like Walmart and everything else squash out mom and pa type stores in uh, local areas anymore and everything, and and take over that kind of business, but. That's where American innovation comes from. That's when you're when you're put into a corner and you have to figure out what's going on. How can you survive? How can I innovate and put myself out there and do something that no one else is doing right now? That's how you can survive as a small business by providing a product or service that isn't available anywhere else out there or, or that a Walmart can't provide. And there's there's a lot of them. It's. It's interesting. You know, another thing in regards to what I do with my show that's going to be coming up next year, <clears throat> I used to go around the Lehigh Valley here and interview young entrepreneurs for the company I used to work for because uh, it was for getting involved in financial matters with credit unions and everything. I used to do these podcasts with young entrepreneurs and find out how they actually got their businesses started. That's one thing I'm actually looking forward to trying to get started up again. Uh, and not just with youth, though. I want to actually talk to business owners and find out how they started up their businesses, the struggles that they encountered and the obstacles they had to overcome, as well as something else I'm really excited about, 
that I'm running out of time every single day on is I would really like to. And if anybody knows anybody in the Pennsylvania area uh, that can help me with this, I would really like to talk to to veterans from World War Two and get their stories out there um, and, and interview them and find out what they went through and, and the things that they encountered if they're willing to talk because it's we're losing these people. I mean, they're they're at that age now where we're, we just happen to naturally be losing them and their stories shouldn't be going untold. Um, you know, if you really want to catch some amazing things, so, you know, watch Band of Brothers where they actually have the real guys uh, in between some of the shows at the end and the beginning and everything. <clears throat> and they're talking about their experiences. So I am looking for World War II veterans that have stories that they want to share. Now, some people, some veterans don't want to share their stories. They don't want to talk about what they went through. And I respect that. Don't don't try to push anyone my way that doesn't want to do that. But I am looking for that type of thing. So just keep that in mind. So <clears throat> one of my last topics, excuse me, real quick here. Brant wants to be on the show. You're welcome anytime, man. <clears throat> Let me know what Friday you're free, and we'll try to schedule you to be on the show. So one of the, the last topic of conversation here before I get into an open-ended discussion with people who want to talk about other things that happened this week that I didn't happen to cover. This isn't something that just happened this week, but I thought it was an interesting topic of conversation, is that a friend of mine uh, was and I were discussing uh, what I believe is the hypocrisy of liberals that claim to care about those in poverty within liberal cities and liberal states. So we decided to look into some data as we were sitting there discussing this, and we looked up the top homeless rates in the United States. Of those, go, we'll count down from number 10 to number 1, okay? And I set up this little thing as we were discussing, and I was given little notch-offs for... Um, you know, if it was a liberal city, I gave a little check mark. If it was a liberal state, I gave a little check mark. And then I had the same thing for the Republican side as well. So we could tally up and see where all of these fell. Okay, so at number 10, we have Boston, Massachusetts, liberal city, liberal state. Number nine, San Jose and Santa Clara, California, liberal city, liberal state. At number seven, Chicago, Illinois, liberal city, a swing state. So I didn't give that to either party because that one can go back and forth. The district of Columbia. <clears throat> this is known to be predominantly liberal as far as what I could find. Uh, so we'll attribute it to uh, liberal city or whatever it is. District Las Vegas, Nevada, liberal city, more Republican state. So you can take and, and take from that information. What you will San Diego, California, again, liberal city, liberal state seattle washington liberal city liberal state los angeles california very liberal city very liberal state and then at number one new york new york liberal city liberal liberal state <clears throat> so let's be fair though real quick here my friend who considers himself a libertarian and likes to argue devil's advocate type things and i actually enjoy that <clears throat> because we need different perspective and everything too. He had mentioned that typically most major cities lean liberal because they typically gather as a voting block into those cities. But it just kind of furthers my point then, doesn't it? So in this case here, this actually feeds back into, and Brent, you'd be one of these people. You have posted this as well. I've seen it. 
this whole idea that we need to get rid of the electoral college. If we got rid of the electoral college, you would see no end to liberal, uh, liberal winnings of, of politicians because it would weigh heavily into the states, the, or I'm sorry, the cities, and it would be left to the major cities of California, which is all liberal, the major cities of New York, which is all liberal, and some major cities in Texas, one of which Austin, being Austin is liberal, or at least more moderate to liberal, and the rest of Texas having more Republican uh, cities. But if we leave it to that, that's exactly why, and <clears throat> most liberals that have looked into this know that this is what would end up happening. They don't want to lose that control because they felt the sting of it this election. So this all feeds into it. So <clears throat> my point that I was making today with my friend is poverty and those less... Um, less well off than the rich in this country are always at the butt end of receiving the worst treatment and worst conditions of everything. They believe that we need to tax the hell out of the rich people to contribute to the lower income people, you know, wealth redistribution and everything to level out the playing field. Their means or ways of doing wealth redistribution is to make, is to bring everybody down to the lowest levels to make things equal. So an equal amount of misery instead of trying to lift people up, okay? And try to make things. First of all, let's talk about equality and what we have guaranteed to us as equality. We are all created equally, okay? And that is that we all come into this world as screaming babies, okay? <clears throat> there is no, There isn't a circumstance other than that in which you come into this world. You come into the world as a screaming baby. Now, that is a matter of equal opportunity versus equal results, okay? And that's what a lot of people usually get confused the most. No one is guaranteed equal results. And it's impossible to have equal results. So in this case, with these liberal cities, these cities tax the crap out of people. The states, in the in the most cases, I'm drying up here. Sorry. The states, in most cases, like California, tax their citizens like crazy as well. What are they doing with all these taxes? If they're not going after one of their main issues, which is poverty, then what are they using these tax dollars for? Well, I can tell you if you actually look up and Google pork ridiculous pork projects. Try that ridiculous pork projects per state. <clears throat> you'll find things like in California where they spent millions of dollars on researching how salmon swim upstream and mate. That's what they spent their tax dollars on. Instead, we're, that is right there is, is an example of hypocrisy. They, they tout that they want to take care of the poor and the poverty of their city and the citizens, and then they go spend this kind of money on salmon mating rituals. And that's nothing compared to some of these things. There, there's people that have created tunnels, little PVC tunnels under highways for turtles and frogs to use so that they don't get run over in the road. Like you can actually put up neon signs or something like that to guide these creatures to not go on the road. The stupidity of people doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't shock me anymore, to be honest with you. So 
when you're paying all these monstrous taxes, you know, in these liberal cities and these liberal states, why haven't they used that money to set up warehouse sized homes with bunk beds and, you know, a food court of, you know, just to take care of these people, get them off the street and everything. It's ridiculous. It is an absolutely show of hypocrisy in my mind. So I wanted to look that up and I thought it was an interesting conversation. You can look that up as online as well. So I'm going to read what Brant said here in a second and respond to it. In the meantime, I'm done with my topics. If you feel I haven't covered anything from this week and you would like to bring it up, certainly leave a comment there. I'd love to go over that and uh, discuss with you anything that you want to discuss. I might not respond to some of the things, you know, depending on who says what, but let's see here. Brant said, I am very pro electoral college. I would like to hear your thoughts on states giving electoral votes proportionately like Maine does and how that would affect an election as opposed to winner takes all. And I can't see what he said after that because I'd have to click on the see more uh, proportionately. Here's the thing. Uh, from what I understand about the electoral college is that um, there's a lot of things that really go into it. And that is that when you have these states that have such a heavy um, presence in their cities, uh, for instance, California, New York and everything, you you have this weighted responsibility in the electoral college that actually throws the votes to those sections. So places in the Midwest, smaller states end up not being able to have such a voice. And in that sense, then what the candidates end up doing would would end up doing in that case is focusing on the states with the bigger cities and completely ignoring the middle part of America. And in that sense, then they're getting a really bad idea of where the country stands because they're getting a very heavily leaning left position of where the country actually stands as opposed to you know the middle of the country which feels very differently from what's going on on the coast so i think that the system is fine the way it is um i would need to look at the way things are district as far as uh, for Senate races and House races and everything, those are always changing. That has a lot to do with population, but it also has to do with corruptness in the government as well. People that want to redistrict, uh, you know, who votes for them and everything because they can actually play that field and stay in office, which leads us to term limits. Okay. Uh, we need term limits for absolutely everything. Now there's, you know, state senators or I'm sorry, state representatives, their terms are only two years. Which is why when I was asked to run as one uh, against our local representative here, I absolutely turned it down. Because as soon as you win, you, you basically spend one year in office thinking about your next run. And then the next year, your last year, you're running again. So in the case of, of a state representative that only has a two-year term, maybe we could extend their term limit to six to eight years or something like that. As far as senators with the six years... A two-term limit? I mean, you're talking about over a decade worth of time in office. Speaking of which, if you didn't catch last week's podcast, the Democrats actually put Nancy Pelosi uh, as minority leader again in uh, the the House. So, like I said last week, they the Democrats didn't get the message from this election that they need to start changing what they're doing. 
They didn't get the message that the American people were so fed up and sick and tired of everything that's going on that they revolted using the, the voting booth to go against what the Democrats have been doing for the last eight years. And in a lot of cases against what the Republicans have doing, because let's face it, Trump doesn't exactly fit the mold of a Republican either. So the country just went against the, the current agenda. Um, and Nancy Pelosi has been there. I don't even know how long it's been decades. And she actually got offended at one point in time when a reporter asked her, uh, if it's time that someone else takes over, that's a little bit younger to get new and fresh ideas in there. And she took high offense to that because she said, you know, that the reporter was sexist and how could she not be considered to have fresh ideas as well, which it's Nancy Pelosi. She's a fossil in the house of representatives and is a stale example of what Democrats actually are. So Brent, I don't know if anybody else is out there, but does anybody have any more things that happened this week or, Anything that they want to talk about, I'll wait a minute here for you. All right, so again, unless anything pops up there in the meantime, uh, this is Chris. I am the Generation Y Conservative. This is the podcast, podcast number four. We went over the last week's topics. So what we covered in this podcast, if you happen to be tuning in at the end of this, is we went over CNBC posting about 9 million people not being reported in the U.S. labor force. Where are they? We talked about the veterans that showed up at, um, veterans that showed up at, uh, let's see here. Oh, it looks like Rebecca said something, but I'm not seeing the show up under my video. Rebecca, if you're watching right now, click on the video itself and then comment once it takes up your screen there because uh, the comments otherwise will show up under um, the original post and I won't be able to see it in the live version. Okay. Um, so we talked about the 2000 veterans that showed up as a human shield at Standing Rock to protest that pipeline. Um, and there was a different angle on that. Ivanka and Donald Trump meeting with Al Gore and Leonardo DiCaprio about climate change. We have Amy Schumer running or uh, in the running. She actually got it. Sorry. She's starring as <laughs> a leading character in uh, a movie based on Mattel's Barbie. And it's going to tackle the issue of uh, women's bodies having different bodies and how uh, society needs to conform to that. That's a whole nother issue. I think we should get into that sometime actually as a topic too, is this idea that um, commenting on weight is somehow uh, detrimental to society. Um, you know, body shaming is one thing and going into, you know, calling a person fat and, and disgusting and commenting on their looks, but people are made differently and have different body types. And that doesn't necessarily mean anything wrong, but if there is an unhealthy relationship between the weight itself uh, and the person, then, you know, sometimes I could save a life talking about that kind of stuff. In this case, Amy Schumer, you know, she's, she is what she is. She's a radical feminist along with Lena Dunham. And we went over that as well. We talked about the liberal Coleman Bonner who lost his job after commenting about the Gatlinburg wildfire victims. Uh, he basically said some really nasty things about the town and, just really bad things. You could tune back and rewatch it and see what he said about that. Time Magazine named Donald Trump Person of the Year. 
We talked about three abortion stories tonight. Ohio passed the abortion bill that bans abortions once a heartbeat is detected. France has banned pro-life websites. Uh, so you're not allowed to you're not allowed to access pro-life websites anymore in France, which is a move against the freedom of speech of their individuals, which they don't have our constitution, so they don't have a First Amendment right there. But it's a clear sign from France at one, they don't support the um, pro-life movement. They're actually very anti-pro-life, and two, that uh, they don't care what their their citizens have to say because they're going to control the agenda. In Fort Wayne, Indiana, the principal came out and confronted pro-life protesters on the sidewalk and threatened them. He ended up saying that the aborted fetuses on, or the aborted babies on these posters were pornographic in nature. He's an idiot. <clears throat> we talked about, Brant joined in when we were talking about the millennial rehab where kids are, millennials are going because they're having a hard time entering the adult stage of life and they can pay 27000 per month for this rehab to be turned into an adult. Okay. Talked about the illegal immigration issue, uh, where there was another accident where the guy was deported eight times and killed multiple people in a hit and run accident. And we just ended the conversation with talking about a friend of mine and I discussing the top liberal cities and states, uh, and their relation to the poverty levels and not taking care of those people being hypocrites essentially. So, Right now, you're watching my Facebook Live on this camera right here. You are also later on tuning into YouTube to watch my video on this camera over here. You'll get the HD version as well as the HD audio coming from this microphone on that camera when I actually get it posted, hopefully, tomorrow. And uh, you can find that Generation Y Conservative on YouTube where you'll find all my other videos as well as different topics and everything. There is actually a really great... Uh, speaking of abortion, abortion video is a hot topic that I did a couple months ago now that you might want to tune into and, and watch that as well. Plus, I had a really nice background out in the field of, with the mountains behind me. Um, you can find me on Facebook. If you're watching this right now, streaming live, then you're watching on Facebook on my political page, Generation Y Conservative. All you have to do is search for that. And you can also find me on Twitter at Gen Y Conservative without the E on the end. So, on my YouTube page, on this video right now, you can see over to my corner here that you can watch my last video, which happens to be my podcast number three, by clicking on it. And in the lower corner, you can click subscribe. So subscribe to my channel and we can keep in touch. You can comment on the videos. We can probably get involved in some of those topics if they sprout into meaningful conversation. And, uh, I appreciate everybody tuning in, especially those that watched on Facebook Live. I hope we get a bigger audience. We'll start sharing these videos and everything with friends and family going forward. Tune in next time, next Friday, 9 o'clock at night, and we'll hit the week's topics uh, from tonight forward. So thanks for tuning in. Catch you next time.